Chapter Thirty Four of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume Two, by Arthur L. Hayward. Chapter Thirty Four: The Life of Catherine Fitzpatrick, alias green alias boswell a notorious shoplift after once the mercers had got burton who was the evidence into their hands she quickly detected numbers of her confederates several of whom were apprehended and chiefly on her evidence convicted amongst the rest was this catherine fitzpatrick who was born in lincolnshire of parents far from being in low circumstances and who were careful in bestowing on her a very tolerable education in the country she discovered a little too much forwardness and though london was a very improper place yet hither her friends sent her where she quickly fell into such company as deprived her of all sentiments where she quickly fell into such company as deprived her of all sentiments either of virtue or honesty what practices she might pursue before she fell into shoplifting i have not been able to learn and will not therefore impose upon my readers at the expense of a poor creature who is so long ago gone to answer for her offences which as they were doubtless many of themselves so they shall never be increased by me being a woman of a tolerable person notwithstanding her not having the best of characters she got a man in the mind to marry her to whom she made an indifferent good wife and though he was not altogether clear from knowing of her being concerned with shoplifters yet he was so far from giving her the least encouragement therein that they were on the contrary continually quarrelling upon this subject and whenever from any circumstances he guessed she had been thieving he beat her severely yet all this was to no purpose she still continued to treat in the old path and associated herself with a large number of women who were at this time busy in stealing silks out of the shops either in the absence of the master or under the pretence of seeing others it is observable not only of catherine fitzpatrick of whom we are now speaking but also of all the persons who died for this offence that they were extremely shy of making detailed confessions though ready enough to confess in general that they had been grievous sinners and that the punishment they were to undergo was very just from the hand of god fitzpatrick as well as the former criminal holmes charged burton the evidence with disingenuity in what she delivered on her vote against them and yet fitzpatrick could not absolutely deny having been guilty of a multitude of offences as to shoplifting so that it is highly probable even if the evidence erred a little in immaterial circumstances that in the main she swore truth the particular facts on which fitzpatrick was convicted were one stealing nineteen yards of green damask valued at nine pounds the goods of joseph gifford and john ravenel on july the twenty ninth seventeen twenty four two taking ten yards of green satin out of the shop of john moon and richard stone value three pounds on the tenth of february seventeen twenty four or seventeen twenty five three stealing in company with another person 
fifty yards of green mantua value ten pounds the goods of john out may the fifth seventeen twenty five four stealing sixty-three yards of modena and pink italian mantua the goods of joshua ferry february twenty four seventeen twenty four or seventeen twenty five these dates were all of them somewhat more than a twelvemonth before the time of her apprehension and she insisted on it that she had left off committing any such thing for a considerable space which made the evidence envy her and so brought on the prosecution as she was a woman of good natural parts and had not utterly lost that education which had been bestowed upon her she was not near so much confuted at the apprehension of death as people in her circumstances usually are she said she was glad she had some reformation in her life before this great evil came upon her because she hoped her repentance was the more sincere as it had not proceeded from force yet she was very desirous of life when first condemned and like mrs holmes pleaded her belly in hopes her pregnancy might have prevented her execution but a jury of matrons found neither of them to be quick with the child yet both to the time of their death afford they were so and seemed exceedingly uneasy that their children should die violent deaths within them when the time of her execution drew very near she called her thoughts totally off from worldly affairs and seemed to apply herself to the great business which lay before her with an earnestness and assiduity seldom to be seen in such people the assistance she had from her friends abroad were not large but she contented herself with a very superior diet being unwilling that anything should call her off from penitence and religious duties she seemed to have entirely weaned her affections from the desire of life and never showed any extraordinary emotions except on the visit of her youngest child in the nurse's arms at the first sight of which she fell into strong convulsion fits from which she was not brought to herself without great difficulty she sometimes expressed a little uneasiness at the misfortunes which had befallen her after she had left off that way of leaving but upon her being spoken to by several reverend persons who explained and vindicated the wisdom and justice of providence she acquiesced under its decrees and without murmuring submitted to her fate a little before she died she with the rest of the shoplifters was asked some questions concerning one mrs susanna who was suspected of having been in some degree concerned with her mrs fitzpatrick and mrs holmes each of them declared that they knew nothing evil about her mrs fitzpatrick did indeed say that she had some little acquaintance with the woman and knew that she got her living by selling coffee tea and some other little things yet never was concerned in any ill practices in relation to them or anybody else she knew of after having done this public justice she with great meekness yielded up her breath at tyburn the sixth of september seventeen twenty six being then about thirty-eight years of age End of chapter thirty four